If you're new to our church, we are in the middle of a five-part series where we let you choose the sermons. Back at Easter, we did a spiritual survey to get information from you, and one of the questions that we asked is, what do you want to hear about? What are the topics you'd like for us to discuss in church? Well, the overwhelming winner, the topic chosen by most of you, was forgiveness. Forgiveness. Truth is, I could probably bring up any one of you onto this stage and you could share a story about how someone hurt you, cheated you, mistreated you, harmed you, lied about you, lied to you, abused you in some way, harmed your reputation. And wouldn't you agree that that injustice in some way shaped you? Yes or no? Okay. Wouldn't you also agree that the way you responded to that injustice also shaped you. Perhaps you've cut off ties to some person. Perhaps you're not as open as you used to be. You're closed off now. Perhaps you don't trust as easily anymore. Perhaps you blamed your significant other for the sins committed on you by a previous significant other, even though your current significant other has never done that sin to you. Can you tell that I've had that one in my counseling office a couple of times? Some of you are are, are still arguing and and you're making present day decisions based on something that happened two or three years ago. You're currently losing sleep because of something that was in your past. And my goal this morning is simple. The pain you feel, the resentment you feel, the bitterness you feel, God would heal. That God would do some miraculous work inside of you over the next half hour or so. And I know that's a tall task, but that's my prayer today. So I want you to lean in. I want you to take good notes and be open to what God's word says on this subject. Now, let me tell you the difficult part right up front. The way I'm going to suggest you deal with unforgiveness, you're going to have major pushback on. But that's just God. There's a lot of things that God says to do. And the first time you hear him say, hey, this is the way I, I think you should do it. You're going to go, no, that's. I can't do it that way, God. It's not that easy. You make it look easy, but it's not that easy. I can't do that. I can't go there. And what you need to understand is that God puts this little word, this little thing in our lives that we've got to activate ourselves. It gives us the very best parts of God. And that little word is the word faith. Today's going to require some level of faith from you. Faith is when you step into something that doesn't make sense only to discover that on the other side of that thing that made no sense, there's a miracle over there that you would have never discovered had you not taken the step of faith. So I'm gonna ask you to to, to apply some faith today. Step into the illogical with me. Step into the confusing. There's no way that's gonna work, Pastor Reed. Only to discover on the other side of that thing, it actually did. I wanna look over a passage of scripture where Jesus gracefully prayed the most forgiving prayer ever. In my opinion, it's found in Luke 23. We're going to begin in verse 32. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with Jesus to be executed. And when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on the right, the other on his left. Now, before we go on, I want to wrap our minds about how, around how, how brutal and horrific the cross cross really was. I I don't think we fully understand. In order to be crucified, you had to be hated by the Roman government greatly because it was the most expensive form of capital punishment possible at that time. It was reserved for the worst of the worst to heap massive shame and humiliation and suffering upon them. 
Now, Jesus wasn't a criminal, obviously. He was completely innocent. But as you know, they beat Jesus so badly that he didn't even look like a human being. So imagine looking at a face that doesn't look like a face with a crown of thorns jammed into his brow. Before he was put on the cross, the Roman soldiers lashed him again and again and again with this whip that was intermixed with shards of glass and and rock. And they whipped him so badly that likely his skin was exposed and, and his internal organs might have also been exposed. They strip him down naked and they put not nails, but metal spikes through his hands and through his feet. And you say, that's horrible, but that's really only the beginning. The stakes would hold him in place and he would hang on the cruel cross for hours. And he wasn't up high like you see in the movies. In fact, uh, historians tell us that, that the cross was probably just a, a foot or two off of the ground. And they did that intentionally so that other people could look at you and mock you to your face. <laughs> you say, you're the king of the Jews. You save everybody else, but you can't save yourself. And they just spit on him and mock him. Most people who were crucified did not die from blood loss or from the actual nails in their hands and feet. They died from what's called asphyxiation, which is basically suffocation. You're you're drowning in your own blood. And you think about you're hanging on the cross and your lungs are filling up with blood. And the only way that you can catch a breath is to push yourself. You have nothing to push off of except that nail that's through your feet. And you have to push yourself up off of that nail just to catch a breath, just to fall back down and begin to suffocate again. So all this is happening. And in that moment, with creation mocking its creator in the flesh, in that moment, it's in this moment that Jesus prays the most amazing, otherworldly, kingdom-minded prayer that I've ever heard that blows my mind in verse 34. He says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. How? Jesus is asking for forgiveness against people who are sinning against him in the moment. Father, forgive them. They they don't know what they're doing. Jesus is forgiving them of something that I would consider completely unforgivable. Now, I'm cognizant. There are some of you in the room whom... I'm not discrediting your pain. You have a real hurt, okay? Some of you experienced abuse. Verbal abuse and emotional abuse are almost becoming commonplace. Sexual abuse and physical abuse, sadly, even in marriage, are becoming more and more common, happening all over our city all of the time. In fact, the statistics, when I talk about sexual abuse, the statistics are horrifying. Some say one in three women have experienced some form of sexual abuse. So if there was a whole row of women today, you could say one, two, you, one, two, you, one, two, you. Studies are about one in five in men. There's some of you in the room that um, you were hurt in different ways. Perhaps someone who was a Christian did not act Christ-like with you, and that hurts you. Maybe there was a church, and they didn't even know that they did it, but they completely devastated you by something that they did. Someone gossiped about you or said something that wasn't true. Maybe some boss didn't appreciate you, and you ended up losing your job, and you felt like that it was unjust and unfair. What's crazy is there are some of you who are hurt by someone who's not even alive anymore, 
yet you're carrying this weight and bitterness against somebody that you can't even go to reconcile with. Maybe it was a mom or a dad and they hurt you or they just weren't there for you. They just abandoned you. Some of you, it's not even something big. It's a person that every time you're around them, it's like fingernails on the chalkboard. Whatever you do is just not good enough. They make you go crazy. And your mother-in-law, did I just say that out loud? Uh, (laughs) I'm kidding. I love my mother-in-law. She's actually amazing. But some of you, that's your story. That's your story. You're like, I can't ever make her happy. She she just, she's miserable. She's a miserable lady, right? And I can't ever be good enough for her baby, right? For some of you, you're mad at God. Something happened and you're like, God, why would you allow this? And that's frustrated you and caused you unforgiveness. Some of you, it's you. You've done something, you can't undo what you did. You said something, you did something you wish you wouldn't have done. And you even have the knowledge that God has forgiven you, but you just can't get there. You're unwilling and unable to forgive yourself today. It's kind of like, it's kind of like vacuuming. Anybody else do this where you're vacuuming and you got to make sure all the lines are perfectly parallel? Anybody else do that? Why do we do that? That's weird. <laughs> I'm the same way. It's like, you got to make sure they're all, they're all perfectly. But you know, you're, when, you're, when you're vacuuming, you ever get to something that you just, it just won't come up? You know what I'm talking about? Like you're vacuuming it and it just doesn't come up. And so what do you do? You go to another angle. You're like, maybe I'll get it here. I'm messing up my lines now, but I'm going to try it here. And you just, it won't come out. You know, you're trying, you're trying. And then what do you do? You pick it up and you look at it. And you throw it back down. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? That is silly. I don't know why we do that. We do that. Just won't, won't get it. Won't get it. <laughs> For some of you, that's what you're doing. You've tried everything. You've gone to church. You've gone to counseling. You've prayed about it. It just it won't budge. I can't get this. I'll do, I'll do anything. I, can. I come at it from every angle and I just can't seem to overcome this thing that's coming over me. All right, someone hurts you, that's bad. Someone hurts someone you love, oh, don't you do, don't hurt them. Talk to the left, because that ain't right, right? You just get real upset about that. (laughs) So how do you get to the place where Jesus, in the middle of his mocking, in the middle of his abuse, in the middle of his suffering, says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. How do we get to that place? How do we forgive someone that seems who have done something unforgivable. How do we forgive like Jesus? I think Ephesians 4 gives us some insight. Look at this. It says, to get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Now that's easier said than done, right? But Paul takes it a step further. He goes, I don't want you just to get rid of all that stuff. I also want you to be kind and compassionate to one another. Now, the next part of the verse is the one I want you to see. And unless you mix this with the faith I was talking about earlier, it will never work for you. So it's going to take a faith component for you to take this next part, forgiving each other, and say the next two words with me, just as. Okay, that was good for about 10 of you. I need everybody now. Just as. One more time, real, what's like some, I want some oomph behind it, all right, ready? Just as. And Christ God forgave you. I want to suggest to you that the power of forgiveness is in the just as of this verse. How do we forgive like Jesus? You're asking me, Reed, to do something that is impossible. You can forgive people and get the peace back in your life when you remember that Christ, God, forgave you. You know what that means? And this may sound like a spiritual statement, and I'm not trying to sound spiritual. It, 
It means that there's something that happened to you where God forgave you, that not only did he forgive your offenses, but there comes a power and a capacity for you to forgive others' offenses. Let me say that again. That something happened in that moment where God not only forgave our offenses, but he gave us the power and the capacity to forgive other people in their offenses. Well, Pastor Reed, that's something I could never do on my own. I know you can't. The power of forgiveness is in the just as Christ God forgave you. That when he did it, not only did he do it, but he brought you the power to be able to do it for others. I wanna show you how you can have peace in your hearts. Listen, listen, regardless of what the other party decides to do or not do, regardless of that. I wanna give you three steps from God's word and two of them you're gonna hate. <laughs> but hang with me, okay? That's what I'm asking you not to filter it through your mind. I want you to filter it through the authority of God's word. Step over to the other side of this thing called faith. You need some faith today because I promise you'll discover on the other side of that faith is the peace that you've been looking for. If you're gonna be someone who has the power to forgive, you need to number one, write this down, receive God's forgiveness. I know some of you are thinking, okay, I got that one, check. What's number two? I already done that one. Listen, there's some of you here today that believe in Jesus. You believe in Jesus but you've never fully received his forgiveness. You just have it. You're still trying to earn God's forgiveness and I'm gonna prove it to you. Some of you came into the building and you come into church sometimes reminding yourself of what the week looked like, what you said, what you did that you shouldn't have said or done. And you say, you know what? I'm gonna lay low in worship this week. I don't wanna go full on. I don't feel like I deserve that, you know, cause I had kind of a rough week. And you're still trying to earn God's forgiveness. And, and we have this view of God that's really inconsistent with scripture. What you need to know is that God knew what you did and what you were gonna do and still forgave you anyway. Your past, your present, and your future. One of my favorite verses is Romans 8.1 that says, therefore there is now no condemnation for anyone who's in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. You're not condemned for your past. You're not condemned for what you do today. You're not condemned for what you do tomorrow. There's no condemnation for anyone who's in Christ Jesus. Everything you've ever done or will do has been paid fully through the cross of Jesus Christ by the blood that was shed. You've been set free. Galatians 5.1, it's for freedom that you've been set free. And once you grasp that, once you really grasp that, here's the beauty. You'll never have to forgive somebody more than God has already forgiven you. Thank you, Betty. Let me say that one more time, because she got it. I don't know if the rest of you did. You'll never have to forgive somebody more than God has already forgiven you. You won't have to. In other words, what you're facing is nothing to the amount of love and grace God has already shown you and already shown me. When you and I really understand this, it, it changes the way that we treat people and view people who've wronged us, it does. Look at 1 Timothy chapter one, beginning in verse 13. Paul's writing, it says, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor, okay? So Paul was actually the head of the assassination of Christians in the early church. That's what he, he gave the order to stone people. That's what his role was. He goes, yeah, I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor and a violent man. Yet I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, 
along with the faith, and I don't want you to brush over that word, the faith. He's saying that God saw something in me when I didn't even see something in myself. I was a persecutor. I was a violent man. I was a blasphemer. And God had faith in me. He could still use me. Can I just say one of the things I love, 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 love about the Bible is God continually uses the worst of the worst to show you and to show me how much his love and his grace can cover our sins. He says, I'm going to use this person. I could definitely use you. How dare we really hold anything against other people when we realize the enormity of what he's done in our lives? He says, along with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm the worst. He came, that's why he's on this earth. He came to save you and to save me. Paul said, I'm the worst sinner. When you grasp that, when you grasp the punishment, we get to escape the penalty. We never have to pay. It changes everything about the way we treat other people. You say, Pastor Reed, I've I've never had that. Well, I invite you into this invitation. Isaiah 1, 18 out of the New Living Translation says, come now, let's settle this. Some of you just need to make today the day. Let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, stop trying to earn it. Stop trying to attend more church and give more and serve more. Stop it. Stop trying to earn it. Receive it. He's saying, I want you to come and I'm going to take everything that you've done and cancel it. I will make them white as snow. I would argue the reason most of us have a tough time forgiving is we've never fully grasped the forgiveness of God for ourselves. And if you live your life trying to earn God's forgiveness, you'll live your life trying to make other people earn it from you. Let me say that one more time. If you live your life trying to earn God's forgiveness, you don't have to earn it, you just receive it. But if you live your life trying to earn it, you're gonna live the rest of your life trying to get other people to earn it from you. So receive God's forgiveness. And let me just say, before we go to step two, you have to get step one. Like step two won't make sense if you don't get step one. And some of you, again, you believe in Jesus, you just never fully receive God's forgiveness. You've gotta do that today. God, I'm forgiven, like I'm forgiven. Every, I'm forgiven. Because if you don't get that, you'll never get number two. Step two, freely give what you've received. Freely give what you've received. In other words, uh, this is Matthew 10, 8. Jesus himself says, freely you received, freely give. So Jesus is saying, I didn't make you earn it. Stop trying to make other people earn it. I didn't make you apologize first before I died on the cross for your sins. I just went and settled it. The motto, motto for God's people should be the forgiven forgive. That's what it should be. Now I get it. If you've, if you've never fully grasped God's forgiveness for your own life, that's a difficult statement to apply. But if you ever do realize what he's done for you, that's what we do. The forgiven forgive. We just, oh, I'm, I'm forgiven. Oh, I'll forgive. Yeah. Second Corinthians five, beginning in verse 14. This is one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible for Christ's love compels us. Christ's love, it's compelling me to do something that seems illogical. It's compelling me because we are convinced that one died for all, that's Jesus, and therefore all died. What is that talking about? He goes on, and he died for all that those who live, that's you and me, should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. That, he, that means he died for our best interests, so we die for his best interest. We die to ourselves and our selfishness. 
And really forgiveness is just, it's just a grudge. It's a selfish grudge. Verse 18 goes on to say, all this is from God who reconciled us. He brought your balance to zero. You had a debt that was worthy of capital punishment. He goes, I'm wiping that away. Your balance is zero now. He reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, catch this, the ministry of reconciliation. So I want you to take what I've done for you and I want you to give it to other people. I want you to bring everybody else's balances to zero. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. You see, there's a response. We can't just be consumers of God's grace. We have to be distributors of God's grace too. It's contradictory when we don't reciprocate that. And the verse concludes in verses 20 and 21, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, in a relationship with him, we might become the righteousness of God. Let me make a promise to you. If you obey God's word and you become his ambassador, a miracle will take place on the other side when faith gets mixed in. It will. I guarantee it. It's going to be something where you say, my goodness, Reed, it actually worked. Now, side note, if you'll allow me, I actually have in my notes the words side note because this is kind of taking a little bit of a detour but I want to speak to something that's very sensitive. I feel very strongly I'm supposed to say this. There are those of you right now whom in your marriage, it's, it's, it's hanging by a thread. And there was betrayal or deceit, perhaps infidelity. Jason and I were counseling a couple in Austin. And um, they were saying things like there was infidelity, there was adultery. And they were saying things like, biblically, we have grounds for divorce. I want to say right now, if you're going through that, if you've been through that, if you're still trying to heal from that, I'm so sorry. I have honestly no idea what, what it's like. I, I can only imagine it's extremely difficult for you. I just want to say, because I believe this may be for somebody, yes, if there was infidelity, you may have biblical grounds for divorce. Right? The Bible says if you have adultery, that there's biblical grounds for divorce. But can I also say that there's biblical grounds for forgiveness? There is. There's biblical grounds for forgiveness. The same couple that I was talking about today, they're not just surviving, they're thriving. They're actually doing amazing. With the help of God, he may empower you to do something that you cannot do on your own. And if there are two people in a marriage that are turning from their sin and turning toward God, he can heal any marriage. I promise you that. Any marriage. I've seen it happen. Worse than your situation, I assure you. In fact, any marriage is made up of two good forgivers. You can write that down, put that on the fridge. That's good. <laughs> and that was for somebody I don't know who. Here's the last step. And it's gonna be the most difficult, honestly. I'm gonna encourage you today to go first. <laughs> I told you you'd hate two of them. That's the other one. Because one of the most unique things Jesus did for you and he did for me is he didn't wait to see if we were gonna play ball. Right? He didn't, <laughs> as they were driving the spikes through his hands, he goes, like, like, get up, whoa, 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 anybody else gonna go on, get on Team Jesus, anybody? Just making sure, now he did it without any assurances from you. 
Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Can you imagine that? Like we're still, he's dying on the cross in a moment where people are sinning in that moment. He's dying for the sins of the people who are sinning. Like that's crazy to me. Like there's a group of people over here that are just, not y'all, but they're, they're sinning. And Christ is dying for those sins in that moment. While they're still sinners, I'm dying for them. He, didn't, he went first. I have no idea how they're going to respond to me, but I'm going to die. I'm, I'm going first. Church, listen to me. I want to make a guarantee to you that comes straight from God's word. The first to forgive is the happiest. The first to forgive is the happiest. Let me show it to you in the Bible. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. It says, blessed now listen, blessed, the blessed here in Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, this is not um, uh, more money or more fame. The word blessed here is the, word, the Greek word makarios, which literally means it, it translates as happy, but not happy like I just heard a funny joke, happy, but happy as in regardless of my circumstances, I'm just, I'm blessed. Everything, I can't explain how everything's okay in here. Like I'm just blessed. Like, yeah, I know all this stuff is, I'm just, I'm happy. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. God can make you blessed internally, regardless of what's going on externally. Let me show it to you one more place. James chapter 3, verse 17 says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow, they move first, they make the step, they sow the seed. No one's asking for that to be made right. I'm just gonna treat you different. I'm gonna bring your balance to zero. Once you do that, in peace, you reap a harvest of, man, everything in my heart just feels right. It just, it's just right. Like, I know the situation may not be healed, but I feel good, I feel okay. Now I'm done. But I can only imagine the pain of what you're going through is probably speaking to your subconscious right now saying, yeah, but he didn't know our story, does he? Because if he knew our story, this might apply to 90% of the people in the room we're watching on TV, but that's, this, is, this, is, this is different for us, isn't it? And probably if you told me, I would agree with you. I would go, man, I can't believe he did that. I hate him. Like, I, I would probably agree with you. I can't believe that, right? But the love of Christ leaves no no options. Listen to me, church. I'm not asking you to feel it. I'm asking you to do it. Because I have a hunch based on a text that Jesus didn't feel like going to the cross. He just did it. In fact, there's a moment in John 12 where he's talking to God and he says, is there any other way? You take this cup from me, like, there's got to be a different way we can save humanity. I know I came to the world to save sinners, but like, let's be honest, this is going to be really brutal. What you're asking me to do. He didn't feel it, but then he said one of the most powerful things he's ever said. Not my will, but let's do what you had planned. And I know that's hard. 
And it's gonna require some level of faith, but I'm saying on the other side of that is something that many of you have never been able to experience before. And it may not make the situation any better, but it will make you better, I promise you. In fact, they may hate you more, (laughs) but you'll be living with a different kind of peace on the inside. Because this message wasn't for that person whom you don't care about anymore. Did you hear me? This message is not for that person I need you to forgive. This message was not for them. This message was for you. That there's something happens internally when you can just forgive them. And again, I don't know what happens in the situation that doesn't matter. What happens in here is what I'm concerned about. That you would have a peace and that you'd have righteousness internally. This is the last point. Choices lead Feelings follow. I could probably sum up every single sermon with that slide. So many of us were led by our feelings, then we make a choice. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to choose. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do it. I'm going to do it. I'm gonna forgive. What are you asking me? What's the choice? Receive God's forgiveness. Freely give what you freely received. And go First. I'm going to ask you to do something that, that for some of you is going to make you seem uncomfortable. This whole message, that's what it's done. You're, you've been uncomfortable since we started, so it's okay. <laughs> There's a reason this was the number one most asked topic. I want to know about this because I know a lot of you are struggling with this. There's somebody that there's resentment and there's, I'm, I have a little bit of resentment towards the Red Raiders. Can I be honest? I mean, I stayed up till one o'clock to see that mess. <laughs> I need forgiveness in Jesus' name. Y'all pray for me. I know some of you, um, this is real and I'm not discrediting that I'm asking you to take a step because I promise you I promise you I don't, I don't have to promise you God promises you there's something beautiful on the other side of your faith I need you to receive it though really receive it to freely give it and to go first don't wait for them to well I'm not going to say sorry because she says I'm sorry. How many times do we do that? JC and I, we race to apologize when one of us is at fault. And even if it's 95% her fault, which it rarely is, and 5% my fault, I'm going to own my 5% and say, babe, I didn't respond well in that moment, and I apologize. Life is a vapor. It dissipates in moments. What are we waiting for? So I'm going to ask you to do something. Every head up and every eye open. There's something beautiful that happens with accountability. And I love sharing things with you. You've heard me be transparent with you and I will continue to be that way as a pastor. I wanna to continue to share where I'm struggling. And, and I'll be honest, there's, there, this, is, this is happening. This is me too. I'm preaching to myself today. But I would love for you uh, to say, I, I need forgiveness. I'm, I'm committing to that. I'm making that choice today. I'm going to forgive because it's one thing, we all have been to church and we've heard a sermon and we're like, man, that was good. And we get in our car and nothing changes. If we're really gonna have change, we need to have some accountability. So maybe we just make this known to everybody around us. That's what I'm asking you to do is just to say, you know what? I need to do that. I want you to shoot your hand up if you're ready to do that. I'll join you. I'm raising my hand too. If you need to forgive somebody, you're, you're gonna make that choice today. Come on, look at it all over the room. Let's give a big hand clap for all of those who made a decision today. Come on, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. And now, uh, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. 
And just be still, just for a moment, I'm gonna ask you to take the first step because it's really the most important one. I want you to see what Jesus has done for you. And if you're here today and you're still carrying the weight of your own sin, you're still carrying the shame and still trying to pay for it, today you're ready to be free from all of that sin and receive everything Jesus did for you. For some of you, it's a first-time decision. For some of you, it's a rededication of your life. But you're deciding to follow Jesus today. I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not going to make you come to the front. No camera's going to be on you. This is just between you and God alone and me. So I'm going to pray for you. But I want to know who I'm praying for. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to ask you to slip up your hand high. Slip it up and hold it up. Let me see him. Come on. If that's you, say, okay, I see you. Awesome. 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 All right, you can slip your hand down. I'm just gonna pray. Uh, I'm gonna guide you through this prayer. So I'm gonna give you some words, but just mean it in your heart as you pray this with me. Just say, Lord Jesus, wow, you're amazing. Thank you for forgiveness of everything I've ever said, thought, or done, or thought about doing, (laughs) that I'm completely and totally free today because you forgive me of my sins. I receive that. I receive that. Come into my life, which I'm giving you today. I'm giving you everything today. Including those that I need to forgive. God, help me to not only be a consumer of your forgiveness, but to freely give it away. And all God's people said amen. Church, can we just congratulate the four people that raised their hands and put their faith in Jesus Christ today? Come on, come on. That's awesome. That's awesome.